everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Slumber Party Podcast. I am Amanda Jusen. Are you tired? <laughs> Is that why you're here? I'm, I am excited today because part of what I love about this podcast is getting to pick who's on it and getting to pick the topics that I want to know more about. So I hope that you're equally into this as much as I am. Um, and today I picked uh, Lizzie Goddard, um, who has just a wonderful accent. So Lizzie, you can literally say whatever you want in this interview today, and it won't matter. Because Canadians are just pushovers for a good accent. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, Lizzie and I are actually in a similar business, um, uh, women's business group. Um, but Lizzie herself is an online business strategist, course creator, email marketing nerd, tech geek. I have a funny story. I'm going to talk to you about this in a second, Lizzie. Um, marketing lover, multi offer enthusiast, mindset magician. I love this. Cook keep going, but you get the gist. Um, When she's not supporting online business owners to have more fun, make things easier for themselves and implement faster, you can probably find her watching Trashy TV, me too, (laughs) and answering questions on Facebook. Um, But why we have Lizzie on today is in 2019, her and her wife adopted two little girls aged five months and 17 months. And uh, Lizzie, I'm obsessed with this story already. I want to know everything, but first two things. Okay. This is why the universe is crazy. Um, I was looking up, uh, like a few weeks ago, I was trying to find your email address for something. I was going to contact you and I'm, I'm looking up your name and your name actually popped up with one of my, uh, other entrepreneur friends. Uh, and she's like, Oh, this is my online business coach. I love her. I'm like, this is crazy. This is like from three years ago. So worlds colliding and Catherine, if you're listening, that's oh, yes, your yes. person. We are connected through. Do you know- <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you know, that's so crazy. That's so crazy. Um, and then number two, I had read a little bit about you before our interview and I too am a trashy TV enthusiast, Anything bachelor, but I'm a bachelor, but in paradise, bachelor, anything bachelor, my absolute favorite. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So this is what I wanted to talk about because I am of the Bravo universe and I find like in the trashy TV world, you are either bachelor or you're Bravo. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like Real Housewives, Summer House. We don't like, we do get North American TV in the UK, but it's usually years later. So I'm usually watching um, on what I call the internet channels, um, which may or may not be legit. And so I don't, (laughs) I don't really know about networks. I just hear things are good and track them down with my internet skills and watch them. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I lived in Australia for four years and Australia was more so like they had their own content, but they dipped heavily into UK content. Mm -hmm. UK trashy TV is excellent. Like you guys have got it down. Anything. Love Island is really good. I do love a bit of Love Island. (laughs) 
Well, I used to watch as a 20 year old single woman does. I used to watch Super Nanny and they had an American version. And so the American version, I was like, yeah, this is great. And then I went to Australia and it was like Super Nanny UK. And I was like, oh, cool. And I was like, oh, man, this is crazy. Because I think Super Nanny is so obviously it's from the UK and she was so I've watched both UK episodes and American episodes and in the American mm-hmm. episodes she has her hair done all glossy and shiny and like blowed out gorgeous her hair. yeah in the UK ones yeah. she doesn't she just has like normal hair but for the Americans maybe they can't take her seriously without like good hair or something right so, yeah but Well, the funny thing I noticed about that, it was like when she first shows up in the American um, version, she's always in a a dress suit. Yes. And I'm like, you can't, you're lying. That's a, that is a costume. I think she's actually really lent into the brand of Super Nanny, whereas the original ones in the UK, she was much more of a like, normal believable person and i think she's almost became like a caricature of herself um a hundred percent it got to america and everything's like bigger and shinier and glossier and more dramatic in america anyway so (laughs) she had to fit in it it really is it really is okay so all of that i i i love automatically we're on the same um wavelength about television because people will be like have you watched this like groundbreaking show i'm like i can't i have five seasons of real housewives of new jersey to get through (laughs) i know that you understand i do (laughs) like okay you seem smart now i'm um questioning that um so i want you to kind of break it down um I, i work with many different families um composed of many different people uh and your story just jumped out at me and i can't help but feel like there are people listening who may be going down the road of adoption um and I, I want to kind of talk about it. It's not something I've talked about. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's not something I know anything about, as we were kind of talking about before. The same-sex couples I know have mostly gone for surrogacy or artificial insemination. Um, and so I'm like, ooh, let's talk adoption. What what brought you to that? What How did this start for you? So my wife and I always knew we wanted a family. Um, we definitely considered the like known sperm donor route so I have a big circle of queer friends and there's guys in that and we definitely sort of like thought about going that route and when we were sort of like talking about that and researching that not because we were like ready but we wanted to like think about it moving forwards um our local authority had an adoption information evening and we're like, okay, we're talking about what our options might be down the line at this point. So we'll go to that. And we went to the adoption information evening and we both just came away from it, like knowing that was the way we wanted to grow our family. Like that was oh, what I we wanted that. to do. And I can't necessarily, it's not logical and it's not, it's not quite as extreme as sort of like being a calling, but we both just knew that that is the way we wanted to do it. One thing I do want to clarify that is 
significantly different between adoption in the UK and adoption in North America is that in the UK, pretty much all adoption is from the foster care system. So there are very, very, very few like open arranged adoptions in the UK. They are like overwhelmed, like all of them pretty much are from the foster care system and they are children that have been removed from their birth families for safety reasons or any sort of reason um, and have gone into foster care and then it's decided that the best plan for their lives is that they are adopted. In the UK, adoptions are completely closed and it's pretty unusual in the UK to get like babies, um, and certainly not newborns. It's pretty uncommon. So every, everyone, not everyone in the UK, is this joke in the UK that everyone wants like um, baby girls, like everyone wants baby girls. And my wife and I have never felt that or like particularly wanted that, but we did end up with two baby girls. <laughs> so we knew we knew that was what we like we didn't i swear i I didn't this is not what we requested it is what happened so we decided adoption would be our route and then like eventually we were never going to be ready but we put a date on it and we started a bit before that actually so at the end of 2018 september 2018 we like started the adoption process it's a two-part process in the uk um the first can i pause you for one second Because I'm really interested when you said that you were, so my first thought of like you going into the process, they're talking to you in this like meeting or info session. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking the person who did that info session must have been amazing. And I want to know what they said to you. You know, what, why did you leave that being like, this is it? Um, I think I just sort of like I've never felt particularly strongly that I wanted biological children like I know I've always wanted children but I've never had a particular strong desire to have biological children um and my wife while she would have carried children if she like had to it doesn't really fit with her gender identity to do that. Whereas I would have liked to be, the experience of being pregnant has always been interesting to me. And I think I would have liked to experience that in my life and I'm not going to, and that's fine. Um, but yeah, like, and, and I think they said a few things in the adoption evening about in the information evening about like, um, completing your family or, how long you have to wait after IVF before you can do adoption. And there was just something about how they were talking about it, that like adoption was people's plan B. And for us, we felt very strongly, no, we we want to make this our plan A. We didn't have dreams of having birth children. We haven't been through copious amounts of IVF. And there's nothing wrong with that. And all adoption is 
fine, obviously. Um, but I think we just both felt that this is something we can do. There are so many children in the foster care system and we are very young to be adopting. Like the majority of adopters in the UK are probably in their 40s. Um, at the time we were 28 and 29, I think. Um, so we were young, we were in a good place in our lives. And I just, we just sort of felt like we had something to offer children who already exist and we didn't need to like make another child, you know? Uh, you know what? So I'm currently doing my um, social work degree and uh, we studied adoption mm-hmm. um, in one of my courses. And I was actually really surprised. Again, I don't know anything, but I was really surprised to learn that um there are risks involved in adopting if you have had fertility challenges um, and there are emotional risks that I didn't even consider um, and, and that there is a, a wait time on purpose mm-hmm. to make sure yeah. that it that adoption doesn't feel like your plan B, yes. that it is like at the we want you to be two feet in this process. It's not a well, I guess um, scenario. And I found, I was like, oh yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> um, I, I had kids. Yeah. It's like good call, good call people in charge. Um, because I'm sure, you know, people who are so desperate for children, you, you need a minute, you need a bit beat yes. to be in between the idea of I'm not going to have my own children and we're going to adopt And What does that actually mean for me? So I imagine, I think here there's a counseling process. I'm sure there's, there's one there as well. Yes. If, if you have been through IVF and the process is quite intense overall. Um, so there's, there's two stages. Stage one is about, um, two months long it takes. And you go to a bunch of training sessions with other people and learn lots about because all the children are coming from foster care. You have to learn a lot about, um, like attachment and theraplay and uh, contact with birth families, which is nearly always indirect contact, um, safety around if the birth families try and like find you or appear on your doorstep or something like that. There's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot going on because all the children from from foster care there's a lot to consider in terms of trauma and abuse and um all sorts of different circumstances like there are no kids being adopted that have not come from horrific situations and this is another thing with like if you're coming from IVF and you had dreams of having your own perfect birth child and then you are adopting uh very traumatized, very troubled, little tiny human who needs you to take them as they are. They need you to accept them for who they are. And if you are projecting your hopes and dreams of a child that will never be onto them, it it just creates a really messed up situation. And it's really difficult for like it can just be really difficult. Uh So 
that's why yes. there's so much in place that adoption like it's okay if adoption wasn't your first choice but you need to all in on adoption before you start adoption <laughs> Totally. And I think that's so important. Uh, Yeah, you've hit on so many like very deep topics there where um, assessing your expectations, Mm -hmm. assessing are you well to be able to handle what's coming in, right? Because you can't you can't support someone's mental health Mm -hmm. if you're not doing well yourself right I mean part of that's my whole call of the work that I do is you know we're supposed to be everything to everyone is as parents but no one's stopping to say hey how are you doing yeah how are you functioning because if you're not functioning you can't show up for your kids and I think I'm so pleased to hear that that's part of the the process there. I'm interested to know what the Canadian process is as well. Okay, so you leave. You're so excited. You this is it for you. This is it. So now step two. What happens next? So or step, step two, five or six. Step I don't know. Two <laughs> in the adoption process is it usually takes about four months. Um, so we started that right at the beginning of 2019. It takes about four months, and the bulk of it is lots and lots and lots of meetings with your assigned social worker basically going through every aspect of your life your relationship everything your finance absolutely everything gets combed through um and then they write this really really long report about my wife and I as individuals and as a couple and what we can offer and what they are recommending we are approved for. And then you go to, um, it's called approval panel and you get approved as adoptive parents. So we were approved for, um, one or two children, naught to five. And once that's happened, then you start, family finding you start looking for your family there's a couple of different ways that can happen in the UK it can sort of mostly just be done through the social workers and they can you know present you with profiles but there is also a database in the UK called Linkmaker and it is a database of most of the children in the UK who are currently up for adoption it's like looking at dating profiles there are photos there is a moderate amount of information it is one of the most intense things I've ever seen so we were given access to that a couple of weeks before we were actually approved because you know they want to keep us moving and whatever and we we're immediately directed and then what happens is once you are allowed on this system all these social workers who like represent these children start messaging you to look at their child it's really really intense but so we looked at a child that we were messaged about instantly we got on and then we started looking through um children in our like age range in the local area and coincidentally the very first child like we chose to click into ended up being our daughter um and we 
Yeah, so you, we we saw her, and she was she didn't actually have a profile with her sister. Um, her sister was just a line in there, being like, also planning to adopt her with her six week old sister or something like that. It said, um, <laughs> that's, a, "That's a pretty big line." <laughs> is, I know, and we were just like, "Oh, okay, that's interesting." Um, but. Yeah, so we spoke to our social worker. She said, yep, this is worth exploring. So our social worker reached out to their social worker. And then there's meetings and such. And then it becomes like a, a like, it's called a link, which means that this is recommended to go ahead. So then you have a few months more and then you go to what's called matching panel which is another panel to like confirm that these kids and us as parents it's going to be a good fit and so by this point we had met them numerous times um they are full sisters but they actually lived separately so when they came to us that was the first time they'd ever lived together because because the foster carer our eldest with didn't have space um when our youngest was born to take her so they were with different foster carers which really complicated things so we went to matching panel for them and with i can't even explain what happened but it was one of the most horrible stressful infuriating experiences in my entire life to the point where there was a massive internal complaint and investigation raised. We received a big apology for what happened. But after this panel, we were sort of left in limbo and we just ate and cried and slept for like a week. And it was just, it, it not, everything to that point had been fairly smooth. It happened fairly fast for usual timescales. And then we just had this very horrible experience. Um, But the adoption did go ahead and we started what's called um, the, the intros. So it's like the transition process. So that take, that took uh, about 10 days. So every day we were spending more and more time with each of them, complicated by the fact they were in different locations, but it was okay. And then 1st of July, 2019, we picked up our eldest, we picked up our youngest, we drove home and yeah, we now had a five month old and a 17 month old um, oh my God, just like that. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much it was. So I knew we were jumping in the deep end. Like siblings, it, I mean, adopting two children at once is a lot. And we knew it was the deep end, but it was the middle of the Atlantic ocean. And for the first six, seven, eight months, like I just didn't think I could swim. The first six, seven months were really, really tough, like really tough. And I, there was lots of times I just didn't think we were going to make it as a family. And my wife would say the same. And at the beginning of 2020, um, 
it, we, we weren't at a breaking point, but if something didn't happen, we were going to be at breaking point. And both my wife and I were diagnosed with post-adoption depression. So that is a thing. Wow. And okay. we then got some more support and from friends and family more so, not so much the system, the system. I have thoughts on the system, but never mind. And um, so that was by mid-February, like there was a little chink of light in like, maybe we can settle, maybe we can do this. And then we had a pandemic, um, which was actually a blessing in disguise because it forced us to just like hunker down and Uh figure this out as a family figure out how we were going to relay like truly get to know each other which I know sounds weird when you're talking about like a one-year-old and a two-year-old but they're people with experiences separate you and like I've always got such respect for children being autonomous unique individual humans in a way that not everyone yeah. really does think about babies yeah, and children. Totally agree. Um, yeah. But, you know, like we had to figure it out as a family and in many ways, because we had, there were so many social worker visits for so long and I was really struggling to find time to work they treated us both like two stay-at-home mums and there were just so many meetings and it was so disruptive and the pandemic stopped the meetings they they just did them on the phone and just my wife could take the meeting and like talk to them on the phone and tell them we're okay so in some ways the pandemic was a massive blessing for my family because it meant we had to figure it out together And quite early on in the pandemic, like in the couple of weeks into the first lockdown, so everyone was like genuinely terrified to leave their house. um, Our youngest was really ill and we had to go to hospital. She had a really high temperature. It wasn't coronavirus, but she had a really high temperature and we had to go to hospital in an ambulance. And they kept sort of saying like, and are you mum? And I had to keep saying um, I'm an adoptive mum, but we don't have the adoption order yet, which is like this finalising legal document. I don't have full parental responsibility. And it just oh hurts so much to not be her. Like, I'm just, I'm just like clutching uh-huh. this dripping in sweat, wailing child who, who we were fairly, uh-huh. I was fairly well attached with our youngest by that point. Like I, I was her mum. She was much younger when she came to us. Yeah. And just to not be legally recognised yet as her person, I think that yeah. was a that was a big like we have to figure this out. Like we, we this can't not work, you know. Um, yeah, and we got the adoption order eventually in September last year. And all the social workers Yay! disappear overnight and we are now full <laughs> legal parents of them, got the certificates and everything. And you can just get on with your life now in many ways. Like it's not all about uh, adoption all the time. And until that moment, 
the social workers coming and all the checks and appointments and you know they have to have health checks that are for looked after children and all of this all the time and it's just you don't get to just be a family but in some ways the pandemic allowed us to be a family which is what we needed all along and it was sort of like this vicious cycle well and you know i'm thinking to just about your whole experience, your post-adoption process and everything that you've just told me, you know, there's a lot, obviously there's so many similarities to giving birth, Mm -hmm. except there's no social worker in your living room assessing your fit, right? In fact, we might actually benefit from a few check-ins, not as much as you are are saying, but like, there's no one there being like, ooh, how's it going? Ooh, are you doing this? Ooh, like, I feel like it's, that would be a strange thing. And you have just spent six, eight months proving you are going to be the best parent that has ever parented. And now it's like, okay, here are your two under 18 months. Go on, prove it. And which is insane for (laughs) anybody, anybody. They are 54 weeks apart. Um, It was the, the deep, deep end. And I also found that like, so I was, you know, what, I do is I I research if I if I if something is wrong I will research and look for community and support and all the so I joined all the two under two groups and all that advice assumed that you have a relationship with your elder child that you have a strong attachment with them and connection with them and they like listen yep. to you and respect you not respect you but like there's an attachment there yeah but we had yeah. Um, fairly significant attachment issues with our eldest which she had a lot of therapy Mm -hmm. for which helped significantly and then all general parenting advice starts at newborn um Mm -hmm. I actually did better I got a lot of parenting books but the books that I did best with were actually the books for dads because Mm -hmm. there was none of the stuff about um pregnancy and it was more you know here is a child you need to keep alive. And that's more how it felt for us. Then all the UK adoption advice and support generally was talking about children who could talk, who had language, who had words to like communicate with them because Uh generally adoption in the UK, I think the average age for adoption in the UK is about two, maybe a bit older. Um, And we obviously had two much younger than that. And then all North American adoption advice generally assumed a newborn, not from the same type of trauma. Any removal of a child from birth parent is trauma, but not the same type of trauma that ours had experienced. And it was actually a health visitor that told me in that time, like in the first few months when it's just a blur, it's an absolute blur, but she said that, my recognizing that none of the advice and support was relevant actually meant I was far more in tune with our girls than I realized. And I love her, that. I, I just yes. held on to oh. dear life for her saying that because she was right. One second.
I have two girls as well. <laughs> they well, are come, 25. <laughs> oh God, I know. Well, it, it's it, 25 months apart, and that was that was too close. That was <laughs> when you say yeah. when you say 54 weeks, like I'm sweating. Yeah, I'm sweating everywhere. Um, but, but thankfully, <laughs> they will never be the same age. Um, so yeah. yeah that's good just over a year um yeah but it's interesting actually how you almost experience some judgment for their close age gap like people think they're twins but they're clearly not twins but I think they're going to look like twins when they're older but I think the younger is always going to be bigger for various reasons and yeah it's it's a very it's a very close age gap (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Look, I, I, this is such a deep topic and I only have 30 minutes on this podcast, which we are over. And I just, I feel like, do you have literature on this? Like, have you written about it? Can people find your story somewhere? Um, on my website in my 29, so I write very detailed blog posts, reviews of my year, which is a lot about business, but it's a lot about personal. And there's a lot about the process in my 2019 and 2020 review blog posts. There's a lot about my life and adopting and all of it. Amazing. Okay. I, I have so many questions, but most of all, how's it how's it going now? Good, good. We we're getting there. We're just a regular dysfunctional family with two toddlers in a pandemic. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> you're you're yeah, you fit right in. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Lizzie, where can people find you? Where is your website? So my website is elizabethgoddard.co.uk. Amazing. And those will be, uh, we have a link to everything for our uh, guests in the show notes. Pardon me. My house is having construction done, whether I like it or not. Um, Thank you so much for coming. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really nice to talk about this. Yeah. Yes, anytime. And folks, if you're tired, you know where to find me at Instagram at Baby's Best Sleep, uh, babiesbestsleep.com. If you like what you heard today, leave a line or two. A review helps this share with everyone. You could even say that you enjoy the construction sounds during the podcast. I'm sure someone is into that somewhere. Thanks so much, guys. Bye.